the Steve Dangle Podcast with your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Let's go! All right, another week, another Oilers episode uh, that we have to talk about. Yay, the Oilers, guys. Um, but we're actually not going to talk about them right away. Sorry about the echo in my chamber of secrets down here. I've got, uh, I've just moved, and so I'm, my entire house is in boxes. So I just want to say hi. The exposed brick is gone, but it will give way to a new studio one day and less echoey. Adam, we could straight up have a playlist on this channel, episodes in which Adam has just moved. <laughs> and it would be 40 episodes long. I know. But probably longer than that. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. So listen, um, there's a few things I want to get to before we get to who wore the crown, guys. First off, we did want to mention um, there's been an account that has called themselves the Steve Dangle podcast for a few years, and it's been pretty harmless. Um, still, but, is. Uh, still is. Still uh, is. But they were sending out tweets about j- getting Joe Bowen back on TV and stuff like that. And uh, we just want to let you know that that's not us. Uh, we don't actually have a Twitter account associated with this show, uh, except for our own. So Steve, Jesse, and I. And, uh, and so we wanted to give you the heads up on that because a bunch of people were retweeting it and being like, Steve, I agree 100%. And then it's like, well, hang yeah. on. It's I not just, Steve. I, and the, the person doesn't sign it their own name either. I just wanted to make sure because like I was looking at uh, like mutual follows and I'm like, oh, my boss follows this account. Oh, Myrtle follows this account. Oh, lots of people seem to think this think, is actually us. I think CJ does too. CJ, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they think it's us. We do, however, have an Instagram account that you can follow. Yeah, we do. At Steve Dangle Podcast on Instagram. Boom, 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 so, boom. So there you go. Not verified, um, though. It could be fake. Yeah, it could be, but it's not. Um, you can follow that. The other thing I, that, that I, was, I was watching um, the clip of us talking about Mike Babcock last week, guys. And one of the things that really kind of stood out to me was the fact that Mike talks about in the interview – that he um and this hunting in ohio <laughs> well no he talks about he didn't even know what mental health was and one of our commenters intelligently pointed out he quoted i didn't even know what mental health was says the man with postgraduate work in sports psychology and i was like oh i forgot about that you know me too this is why we didn't catch it in the moment like it wasn't a good look for him it wasn't a good look and you know like we said off the top, the people mad at Sportsnet for even giving him the platform. No, if I think if you don't like him and you don't want him to be a coach again, for example, um, that interview was a good thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he didn't do himself oh, yeah. any favors. No one, I don't think any NHL team saw that interview and came away with, you know what? Now we can, now we can do that. We can go get him. People will get behind this. I just, you know, it, it blew me away. I was kind of like, Oh man, this is this is bad. <laughs> like this this is extra bad, worse than I thought. So if you want to go see that, it's a, it's a breakdown of the entire interview, and you can check it out either in a clip form or in the full podcast form. And there were some people complaining. Well, you know, the clip uh, didn't do the whole thing. Well, we want you to listen to the whole podcast. So check that out when you can. Now, uh, in the meantime, let's get to who wore the crown, sponsored by Jesse. So uh, we've started a trend. How was that? Our next podcast sponsorship for who who wore the crown comes from Arib, who also donated to Sick, Sick Kids in our name. So uh, last episode we had a gentleman uh, donate to Sick Kids to get a sponsorship on this uh, on that episode of Who Wore the Crown, and now again Arib has 
donated a generous $20 to Sick Kids Foundation. And now he has sponsored this uh, episode of Who Are the Crown. Adam, please read his liner. Hey, I mean, that's amazing. Good for you, Arib. Arib, listen, um, how do we do this? How am I going to do this? Do we know any? Here's the thing I'm going to ask. If you're going to donate, give me something about you. I need to know something about you when we're doing this. We can talk about you a little bit. Like we can, if we're going to promo you, if this is going to be your big promo, then we got to make sure that we get some details about Arib or whoever else sponsors this show. So make See, sure think... you leave a little bio of yourself. I think oh, that's I think up leave... to you, Adam. Yeah, leave Adam with his little stuff possible. about Arib. Okay. <laughs> In your really description, difficult. I need... I need you to picture how uncomfortable Adam's going to be. This is terrible. I, I don't know how I'm going to. Okay. Well, listen. Um, Why are you uh, holding a, a towel? Uh, because I'm trying to uh, dampen the echo in here. <laughs> I got it. You know what I need to do? What I need to do is get to the Pickering flea market and buy myself some dolls and then I'll be all right. Like I, I just got to cover the wall in plastic wow. dolls and I should, should balance the sound properly. I was going to say, I have some extra foam if you want it, dick. <laughs> <laughs> I can give you some. Uh, all right, so here it is. Uh, Who the Crown brought to you by Areeb this week. Areeb, we don't know much about you, but we think you're a good guy because you donated to Sick Kids and thank you, Areeb. So the next time you want to be a good guy or a good gal or a good however you identify, why not? Why not? Donate to sickkids.ca. And uh, sponsor yourself to be the sponsor of Who Wore the Crown. So, Steve, who does your crown go to? I mean, how do you not give it to the man who scored three consecutive goals for his team? Back-to-back game-winning goals for his team. I got to give it to Willie. I got to give it to Willie. I, I tell you what, Mike Smith didn't give him much to look at, but he fired that little dart, and it... And it just beat Mike Smith, the unbeatable Mike Smith, who heading into that game was 6-0 and with a 944 save percentage. Unbelievable. Because we said he was bad. You know, that's how this yeah. works. Uh, Got to give it to Willie. Three goals in his last two games. Uh, Willie has entered the chat. Um, I'm, my crown is going to Jason Spezza uh, for mm. a vintage Jason Spezza goal at 39 and a million years old that he is. Pretty amazing that that I don't think I've seen a goal like that. He got uh, Mike Smith to commit hard on, you know, passing the puck over. Was it Mikheyev that was on the other side? No, the t- <laughs> Twitter did not let him uh, take this easy, but it was Jimmy VC. And oh. everybody on Twitter was saying how, oh, Spezza did the right thing, not giving it to VC. Well, he was, ne- he was we never going to get off it. of Jimmy, man. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with him. He's fine. He's, he's just fine. He's just guy. He's guy. He's right. Guy. He's not a liability. But, no. uh, I mean, is he a big liability? Do you feel like no. when, you're, when you're on the no. ice, do you feel like you're down a man? No. I just I just feel like – I feel like Jimmy VC now the way I used to feel about Nick Patan. Like, there's a bunch of stuff going on, and none of it is actually anything. And for some reason, we talk about it a lot. Right. Is that right. not okay. the former Nick Patan discussion in a nutshell? I think it is. I think it is. So here's what we're looking at. Um, I think I think Jason Spezza has this unbelievable ability to still score goals, and I think he's feeling himself. And I kind of really like this Jason Spezza, especially in light of the Mike Babcock interview that we talked about in such depth last episode. Pretty unbelievable that he can still do something like that. And, I mean, I know Mike Smith's about the same age, but 
that was pretty darn cool. And uh, I don't think I've ever seen a Leaf score goal that way. So Jason Spezza, you get my crown. I have. Jason Spezza before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just yeah. loves it. He loves it. I did. I did get a kick out of uh, not just the Jimmy VC slander, but how don't goalies know Jason Spezza is going to do that? You know how do how don't they know? How do guys? He's got like three hundred and fifty career NHL goals. He can right. beat you more know. than one way. <laughs> also, the yeah. two guys he's done that against were older goalies, so they would know. How didn't they know? Mike Smith and Ryan Miller. How didn't they know? Idiots, fools. <laughs> Maybe Jason Spencer's is good. Could is that be possible. Forty. No. Points? How dare they not stop that NHL slap? You know. Like, how dare they? <laughs> Forty-eight points shy of a thousand. Wow. Nice. Wow. He's got a. He's there got a. Go. I said this in the video. He's got a re-sign with the Leafs. Mm-hmm. He's got a hit number one thousand as a member of the Leafs, and then he's got to win his second cup. <laughs> Has he won a cup? No. Nope. Not yet. This Oh, his second. I see what you did there. All right. Wow. I'm a little slow this this afternoon. Jesse, who gets your crown? I can't believe I'm the one who has to say this, but I think I have to give my crown to the future tandem starter of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Jack Campbell. Shut out, baby. Shut out on a Saturday night hockey night in Canada. How do you not give him the guy the crown? 951 save percentage in uh, four games played, three starts. That's a damn good job for Jack. Those are Mike Smith numbers. (laughs) Looking like Mike Smith out there. Yeah, right? Wow. (laughs) You know what? And and you guys saw his post game interview, right? Nicest guy in the world. Yeah. (laughs) Just the the happiest son of a bitch that's ever been on skates. It's crazy. Like, I don't understand how. Son of a gun. Like, (laughs) son of a gun. Sorry. He's just so happy. He's the best happy man. He's a happy man. Isn't he the rootin' tootin'est? He's the, he is. And you know, like he is leave it to beaver on the team, but he's, here's the thing. It's like, we've been screaming out for James Reimer since James Reimer left. And now we got him. Ah, yes. A good goalie. And I've been screaming out, hey, what do you do at the end of Frederick Anderson's contract? Because you don't want to resign him. What's your backup plan? It looks like the Leafs got one. It's Campbell plus whatever else they can sign. Reimer. <laughs> hopefully not James Maybe. Reimer because we did that already. So hopefully <laughs> yeah, it, and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> that is who are the crown for this episode brought to you by who? I'm sorry, Jesse. You know I'm terrible with names. Arib. Sorry? Arib. Arib. Hey, that's who we're the crown brought to you by Arib. Arib, noted good guy. And if you want to be like Arib and be a noted good guy as well, donate a couple bucks to sickkids.ca and we will shout you out on the next episode of Who Wore the Crown because why not? Why not? And you got to send me the screenshot too if you're going to do it because like yeah. Arib sent in his screenshot of the donation that he made. You can't just say it and then we don't know if you actually did it. Yeah, I did yeah. it. I totally did it. <laughs> oh, I donated $1,000. No, you didn't. Okay. No, you didn't. <laughs> Liar. Um, <laughs> what speaking, what, Steve? speaking of, well, as long as we're getting behind uh, good causes, can I throw another suggestion? Please do. So, uh, sends money on the board, sends MOTB. So we've talked about Leafs money on the board before, um, where I believe the money goes to the Maple Leaf, uh, uh, MLSE foundation. Um, and basically you pledge money based on events so i'm gonna donate five dollars for every wayne simmons goal or or mm-hmm. something like that by the end of the season and then you hit that dollar amount and or 
you know, you, you find out he scores 15 goals, whatever, and then you you donate that amount of money. So the Sens have a, a version of that. And here's why I'm going to direct you that way, even if you're, uh, whether you're a fan of the Sens or not, it doesn't matter. Go to Sens MOTB uh, in honor of Brian Fraser. So Brian Fraser, I'm sure a lot of you in the hockey community uh, followed him spoke to him. People were sharing DMs that they had with him. He was just a wonderful person. He had cancer, kicked it in the ass, uh, and the bastard came back, and uh, Brian recently lost his battle. So go to Sens MOTB and make a pledge there. Uh, the money, uh, the proceeds go to Canada's Lifeline in honor of Brian Fraser. And shout out, huge shout out to Bonks Mullet, uh, for running that they've done an amazing job and i believe in the last few days they've received twenty five thousand dollars worth of pledges wow. so wow. get in on that get yeah. in on that wow. and shout out the sends for doing a nice tribute to brian on the ice like that was, that was a huge deal and the uh the ottawa sun i believe had him on the front page too a lot of people cared about brian and it's a shame he lost his battle yeah we're, we're sends fans Absolutely. until they play the leafs and then we want it to go to overtime Brian would want it no other way exactly so uh the Leafs uh steamroll the Oilers Saturday night and it really was like surprising because that was the game that Edmonton was really supposed to pull within striking distance of first place Leafs are missing Anderson Leafs are missing Matthews Leafs are missing Simmons and everybody else who's out right now and it doesn't even look like a close game um, and it's, I think the best part about that all, and we mentioned this already was Jack Campbell getting his first shutout, uh, greatest post-game interview of all time, according to Jonas Siegel. And I forgot about this. He grew a mustache last season in support of Austin Matthews, 50 goal chase. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> did you know that? No. Like as soon as he joined the team <laughs> and he stayed in net while hurt, uh, in January this year in a win over the Flames so that Freddie wouldn't have to go back in, but he missed the next 14 games because of it. But, but people, his teammates love this guy. They just love him. Jack Campbell, though, beyond being lovable, actually puts up good numbers. Mm. Very good numbers. And uh, I tell you what, it's a different Leaf team in front of him. Uh, even without Austin Matthews, like I'm trying to think of a real, real tricky save he had to make in that game. Connor McDavid early made it look like it was going to be a long night. Um, but uh, for the most part, they limited the chances. And the couple times they did completely blow it and give the puck away in the slot, the Oilers missed the net. The, the Oilers couldn't do anything right. They, the passing was off in the offensive zone. They were missing the net. And 4 nothing really was the story of the game, but also of the season. Because we talk about the Oilers having the chance to leapfrog the Leafs after this three-game series. Well, the score was 4 nothing, and it's also four points to none in games where the Leafs played the Oilers without Austin Matthews, which if you're Whoa. the Edmonton Oilers, that's unacceptable. That's Whoa. unacceptable. Matthews has missed two games that. this season. He's missed two games this season. They were both against the Oilers, one in Toronto, one in Edmonton, and they, I believe the collective score is 6-2. to two. That's okay. not good enough. No. No. Oh, my God. Jesse, you were going to say something? Uh, no, I was. I was uh, Justin Bourne had an interesting take about the Matthews missing time thing uh, that I heard today because he was saying how when Matthews is out, Marner moves up or down, whichever way you look at it, and he plays with Tavares. And the thing that got Tavares going on Saturday appeared to be playing with Marner. So when Matthews comes back, 
do you keep do you keep Marner on the Tavares line to get Tavares going, and then you get some new line mates for Matthews? I would do it. You would, I would do it. Yeah, I would. Uh, surprise! I'm surprised to hear myself say that. Uh, the way Matthews and Marner have been playing, but uh, the Leafs can afford to. The, the Leafs can be versatile now. Um, Engvall has surprisingly given them that luxury because you can keep Kerfoot on the second line now with, you can put him with Matthews and Nylander. You can put him with Tavares and Marner. You could swap Tavares and uh, Nylander and Marner. Doesn't matter. That's your top six, right? That's the mix. And obviously Joe Thornton up there as, as well in the top six. The fact that they have a reliable personnel for their top six when they're healthy, they're going to be really tough to beat. You know who's in your top six every night. You have an idea of who's going to be in your bottom six every night. Oh, it's the Leafs have not had this kind of depth in a long time. We didn't understand what depth was. We had it wrong because they this team lost Kapanen and Janssen in this offseason, and we expected their depth to be better. How? How and all these guys are stepping up. The fourth line is consistently a threat. Uh, and now that this to score actual goals to score and this except new look Jimmy third VC. line, yeah, except, except for Jimmy VZ, he was a threat to score. <laughs> he was a threat. You're right. You're right. <laughs> he says he, he why I oughtered. He yeah. got a why I oughta assist. Also, that was a really nice assist on that goal. Stop picking on James. But listen, that new look third line that's been the missing piece. Um, you know, the second line, you know, had like a bad week or something. The top line has had an incredible season. The fourth line, no matter who's been on it, has been good this season. The third line, they haven't been able to find that mix with Mikheyev playing the way he's playing, with Engvall playing the way he's playing, and Hyman facing third line opponents and being able to, like the Leafs have like a shutdown line now. When was the last time they had a proper shutdown line? Well, and, and who knows, right? Like, cause there were, there were lines that were thrown our way as like, they were billed as such, but they would last five games. And then it's like, well, no, they don't have a shutdown line again, or someone no. gets injured or someone gets broken up. And you know, it's interesting you bring that up, Steve, because that line, Mikheyev, Engvall, Hyman had the most ice time on Saturday. Ever, uh, Pierre Engvall with a career high over 18 minutes, Mikheyev over 18 minutes and Hyman over 20 because he just plays everywhere. And imagine with Pierre Engvall, I mean, the way we were talking about him 20 games ago versus the way we're talking about him now, the change is unbelievable. But if you're able to get, from a general managing perspective, a guy as your third line center who's a, who's a giraffe, who's making $1.25 million, if Pierre Engvall could start winning faceoffs, because he doesn't, um, they're looking at some pretty good found money there. And you've got guys on the team who can teach him, like Jason Spezza, who is unbelievable in the faceoff dot. That to me seems like more of an off-season thing. It's just something that players don't tend to improve on regular season. I don't know why, um, but you know, Engvall I think is hovering around like forty-six percent. It's not good. Um, no. So you can't really start those guys in a defensive zone situation and reliably come away with it. But if he figured that out, boy, that's a scary third line. And and you know, we we do tend to because of the top line talent, especially in the last few years, we tend to obsess over these bottom two lines. Can't figure them out. Can't figure them out. And they have, or at least it seems like they've got a semblance of something. You obsess over everything. I feel like winning has like cleared my head. 
<laughs> like I'm looking at the Leafs and I, I can properly identify what's important now. Mm. Like that we used to spend an unbelievable amount of time talking about this team's like 13th and thir- uh, 13th and 14th forwards and whether they should or shouldn't be in. And, n- and now that they're winning and the depth is playing so well, I mean, yeah, throw Baraban off of the second line. I want to see how it goes. And then and he damn near scored. He I know good. that's very Canadian. He's really good. It's very Canadian to say, wow, that was close, but I don't care. <laughs> wow, that was close. That was a good, that's a good accent. Wow, that was oh, – I'm stealing it from the Simpsons. That's yeah. what, wow, that was close. You could play center. Remember the, the basketball thing when Mark's yeah. in Canada and he misses? Yeah. He's the yeah. best player on the Canadian basketball team. <laughs> you can't make that joke today because our no, Olympic team is actually incredible. That's yeah. right. That's absolutely but right. There was a time when that was, yeah, you could make that joke. Yeah, 100%. And uh, uh, the other thing is, uh, so Hutch starts tonight um, against Edmonton. The last thing you want as a Leaf fan is Michael Hutchinson going in against Connor McDavid ever. But they don't have a choice. So it looks like Campbell needs another rest day. Um, some people are suggesting that he's injured. We don't believe that he's injured. It's just probably that he's not fully recovered from the injury that he had. So he came back, got a shutout, and that was amazing. The one thing about this game uh, for the Oilers, and, it, and this is from Mark Spector, that the Oilers had come in, he said, quote, on a wicked heater, winning 11 of their last 13 games, eight of their past nine, and five in a row. But who had those two losses been against, guys? Not the Leafs. The Leafs. Get out of here. Yeah. They had beat the Flames, the Sens, the Jets, but the Leafs were the only ones that were the foil for Edmonton. And remember, Edmonton has beaten Toronto this year. I think it was the first time that they played each other. And it was funny to hear Leon. Here's a direct quote from Leon Dreisaitl. We didn't deserve to win this game, and that's that. Damn. Well, and you know what? So he was – there's – this is what I was trying to say with VC and people take it easy on him because there's quiet nights and there's bad nights. Leon Dreisaitl had a quiet night against the Leafs the other night in that I didn't notice him very many times. I think he had one good scoring chance. He's the guy who's been eating the Leafs up this year. Right. It wasn't not McDavid. I mean, McDavid's always a threat. I think he had the OT winner, but Dreisaitl's the guy who's been eating the Leafs up. Am I? Is it? Too extra to say in the first game, I'm sure he's going to be amazing in the second game. By the time you listen to this, you're going to be laughing. But in the first game, Connor McDavid had a bad night. You think so? He had a bad game. On Saturday? (laughs) Yep. He was on the ice for all three even strength goals. And at least two of them, it felt like he could have done something. Well, there was a giveaway one, right? What was that? Was that the Spezza goal? That was the, there was the diving poke check. Yeah. The giveaway, he tried to, it was a partial three on two. He and nurse was coming in wide. He tried to hit nurse and he ends up getting Nuge in the foot, causing a funny bounce and TJ Brody with the miracle shank pass. I mean, a lot had to happen. I'm going to chalk that up to the pucks made of rubber. You know, <laughs> shit yeah. happens. Connor McDavid is, you're not going to criticize his passing, but um, there was the Hyman goal where he got, he got dangled by Zach Hyman. Like he completely blew right by him. Hyman used one move to get past him. And the uh, Marner goal, go back and watch that. The effort on the Marner goal, sk- gliding, skating in no man's land. He doesn't have Thornton, who's the open guy. He doesn't have Marner, who's the guy with the puck. He's just there. 
He's just existing. And it's not good enough from the best player in the world. And we'd be saying the same thing about Austin Matthews. It was no Connor McDavid had a bad game. Now I said, I think that's a little far. No, I he, think there more credit when a player has a, you're calling it a bad game. Like when Connor McDavid's held scoreless, I think you credit that to more of a defensive game planning and them sure. throwing everything at McDavid. Would you not? And yeah. I want to see how long that shift is when he gets beat by Zach Hyman. How much time was he on the ice? Did he just come back from trying to beat everybody on the other end? You know, because he's key. using his speed so constantly that he's going to get tired, that he's going to get beat on the defensive end if he has to get back and do some back checking. That's so key. I, I don't know I if I'm buying this McDavid had a bad game thing. I think he's just bad. <laughs> Maybe he's, I mean, he's He's on a bad game streak. It could go to two tonight, guys. Come on. I'm not going to be one of those guys who beats up on star players, but like (laughs) the bar is stupid high for him. It's stupid high for him. And I just didn't think he had the greatest game. Also, if I was an Oilers fan, I'd probably be a little upset that the Leafs didn't take a single penalty, which I'm sorry. Like every single game should have at least one penalty for each team. No one's just completely clean. Yeah. Hall didn't get a penalty for tackling a guy. He granted that guy had just hit Jack Campbell in the head, but he didn't get anything for it. Mm-hmm. Joe Thornton with the, like a little bit of interference, but like Kevin BX has said in the broadcast, allowed cross-checking on Josh Archibald on the yeah, first when goal. You're, uh, when he pushed him out in front of the net so he couldn't get to his man. Yeah, <laughs> and it led to a goal, and the NHL and the the rules of hockey are just like that's okay because it's in front of the net, and you can just cross check people and do every illegal thing when a guy's in front of the net. Apparently, ah, you can just do that. Yeah, ah, it's fine. It's fine. This is what I've been begging the Leafs to do, though. The teams have been doing it to them for years. You do it. You finally go out and do it. Adam, I have a question for you. Yes. Do you think? McDavid should be to Steve Dangle what uh, LeBron is to Skip. Yes. Should, should <laughs> yes. Just go at yes. McDavid for every little thing he does. He should. And he should talk about, well, you guys both said, I told you Sidney Crosby was going to be, is, is of, of McDavid and Crosby. McDavid is the better player in his prime than Crosby is. I said that. And you guys both said no. So I think it fits perfect. I definitely think Connor McDavid's the better player for sure. I, I can't wait around. for him to have a five point game and I'll just tweet. What a game from Josh Archibald. <laughs> That's the sort of thing skip would do. That's what you or, need or, to be or, doing, Steve. Or Connor McDavid is say, a product of Dominic Cahoon and I'm tired of pretending he's not. <laughs> or just say, I'd love to see him do that in the finals, but they'll never get there, which is what he was. Oh, skip would always say. That's a good right? one. Yes, that is <laughs> LeBron made eight straight finals and Skip Bayless did not give a shit. And he's like, nope, still not great. Mm-mm. Nope, still bad. And then, Hasn't done and then went head to head with Kawhi Leonard the one year he was a Raptor. <laughs> number two. Yeah, number two needs to get his act together. Number two <laughs> needs to stop resting on the bench. <laughs> Cut up, Skip. Amazing. Number two. <laughs> he makes a lot of money to make those takes, guys. A oh. lot of money. Imagine imagine Uh, the pressure of you're never compared to anybody who's currently playing in the league. You're only compared to the greats. Yeah. A guy who, like, his legacy can't change. He's uh, Michael Jordan's the greatest, and Skips was going to be like, no, this guy's not Michael. You know, that bar doesn't move, so it's uh, so unfair. 
The final like 10 a- years of LeBron's career are going to be like just comparisons to Michael Jordan and not Steph Curry, who is <laughs> like his opponents. Yeah, right. <laughs> it would be, Sorry, Adam. It'd be like, it'd be like if, uh, if people were like, well, Ron McClain, you're not very good. And, be, and Ron would be like, what do you mean? And he'd say, well, you, people would say, well, you're not Foster Hewitt. Sorry. Like, it's just yeah. one of those where it's just, a, it's just an obnoxious comparison to make when you step away from it. But sports does an amazing job of just regenerating the same conversation 45 different times in the same month. Like, I can't, how is it that every day on first take, Kobe Bryant's name comes up and he hasn't played for seven or eight years. And I don't, I'm not talking about the anniversary of his passing or the NBA logo thing. It's just like, where does he rank? Where does LeBron rank? And where does Michael Jordan rank? It's just, it's the craziest thing. They're able to keep recycling it all the time, all the time. And people bite all the time. Wyshynski's brought this up though. You walk into, well, you walk into any bar in Canada and get arrested because it's a pandemic. But prior to that, you walk into any bar in Canada and you just, you know, fly on the ball, uh, fly on the wall, start eavesdropping on people. Uh, if it's a sports bar, you're going to hear, is it Gretzky, Lemieux, or, or how? Mm-hmm. And the, like, I'm surprised we don't have it on television more because if that's the model, it, cause Am- Americans just do sports really well. Like they just do it mm-hmm. over the top and there's always a reaction yeah. to it. Why aren't we doing that? Why are we doing that at least once a month on hockey night? We're, right. we're having that. We're having that debate. Should. Canadian should. sports don't really do the the two guys just going at it. You know, it's not really. There's no problem. Well, it would be like, no. It's it would be nice if on the panel anybody would be allowed to disagree with anybody else. It's you'd <laughs> have to begin every sentence with if, well, you're having a debate with someone, and you'd you'd have to begin every sentence with well, that's a good point. <laughs> exactly and the thing is it, it goes here's the formula it's host panelist host second panelist host third panelist host commercial the only never times, two panelists fighting each other and you want that times it really happens was with Berkey like oh. Brian Burke would say things and Friedman might come back and say well I disagree Burke and here's why and then Burke would hold his stance and come back with something else like I, oh, I I'm still gonna trade Nylander <laughs> I thought I thought Burke was such an excellent uh, commentator on the game because he would say things you know and then he would hold by his stances and even if it's wrong or if the stats prove him incorrect he would hold by it it'd be interesting you know now he's a good conversation here, here's what I've been dying for in hockey. Hiring people like the TNT panel for basketball. Shaq, Charles Barkley, and the other two guys. And it's just, it would be very fun to have, like BX, it seems like he's got a lot of potential as like a, a really funny guy. Like the way he made fun of Kelly Rudy's uh, jacket popping out, that was, um, that was a very, very funny moment. That was good. Over the weekend. That was really funny. I want to see more of that. What I would say about the TNT panel, I wish I could hire them from five years ago. Because right now, Shaq's just, he just seems mad that he's got to learn new names. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean there's a new rookie? Friedman brought this up 
on the 31 Thoughts podcast like a couple weeks ago. And he brought up the example of how Charles Barkley, they play a game at the beginning of every year about like, hey, do you know this player? And it'll be like the 12th guy out of the 12th man on the roster. And Barkley always is like, he doesn't know who this guy is. And then he says something funny and it's hilarious because some random name and no one's ever heard of him. And he was saying how he thinks if you tried that on Saturday night, the hockey night in Canada, NHL fans wouldn't accept that. You know, the the average hockey fan wouldn't accept this panelist on TV being like, I don't know this fourth liner on Columbus, you know? So he's saying that's what you want, but the game and the fan bases have to change in a way where those things become acceptable. And they're slowly getting there. He was like, he made a, it was a big deal that he wore a turtleneck on TV. Charles Barkley can get away with that because of what Charles Barkley provides. People Mm -hmm. don't watch Charles Barkley because he knows the seventh most important bench player. They watch Charles Barkley because they know he's going to say outrageous things, right? If if you're the person who, I don't know, you have some sort of hook, then you could probably get away with it. Man, he did, they're a little get off my lawn now, but he had a great rant. There was some game, I can't remember what it was, but both teams, all they did all night was shoot threes. And all they did all night was shoot bricks. Like they, they both team strategy was threes and they both sucked at it. And he's, <laughs> and he's basically like, I'll be the guy to say it. You all sit here and watch this stupid ass basketball. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you got to get in there and you got to yeah. do a layup, do a dunk, get in there, do fan, something. I want to hear at that point. I've sat through halves of basketball where one team's just trying to shoot threes. And I'm like, this is 2020 basketball. It's not fun anymore. Drive to the basket. Well, you but know? This and that's what fans are. The, I disagree. Was it Elliot that said uh, that you, that hockey fans wouldn't accept that? Yeah, yeah, something a lot I, like okay. uh, game along those lines. Could, yeah. could not disagree more. Could not disagree more. Um, I think it's just it's never been tried. See, hockey though loves its random fourth liners for some reason. We did a whole episode about Joel Kiviranta uh, and getting a get. Well, he got a series winning hat trick, but like, how often Great. does Patrick McCaw get that moment? Right. Basketball. It's right? because basketball is about the stars, which is what hockey needs to be about. We, which we keep talking about. You know, th- this is the problem. Is it like why are we? It's it's like why Connor McDavid doesn't win the Hart Trophy every year. Sorry, Leon Dreisaitl and everybody else, but Connor McDavid does. He is the most valuable player to his team year in and year out. But we got to be a little hipster about this because we're the NHL and we're fucking weird, man. And I, I think you absolutely, absolutely could have a guy like Charles Barkley. It doesn't have to be a former player. Not every panelist has to be a former player. Not every panelist has to be uh, a man either, clearly. Look at what a great job Jennifer Botterill's doing. Cassie mm-hmm. Cam, you're getting some new, some new blood in there, but I think we got to try some different things. And I mean that for everybody in hockey. I'm not talking about Canada. I'm, not talking, I'm talking about everybody. Uh, I was watching the Nashville game. And guys... I, I, on the, in the afternoon, I'm going to start recording. Do you guys know who Terry Crisp is? No. Terry Crisp. He's a former player, tough guy. And he is on the Nashville broadcasts. And I'm going to run a bit called what the hell did Terry Crisp just say? Because that man speaks no English, calls every player by either their number 
or um, or like a, a random nickname that you've never heard before that he's made up on the spot. And it's the most, so if there's this re- reporter who's intelligent, smart, and she goes, she throws him, all right, Terry, Chris, what do you think? And he's like, well, and it's three and a half minutes and I'm sitting there by myself on my couch or surrounded by boxes this weekend going, what the fuck is he talking about? I, I'm watching this and I don't know what he's saying. And this is the kind of thing where I don't want to go that far, but I think you got to have some fun lampoon guys on there. Barkley's one of those guys. <laughs> There's a little bit of truth in what he's saying, but he's funny. And you see that in football. I'd like to see it a little bit more in hockey. Make a little room for the non-serious discussion. And that's why I loved the Kelly Rudy, Kevin BX back and forth. That was funny. And then Kelly Rudy, Kelly Rudy throw the hands. Oh, man. <laughs> Kelly Rudy, the industry-wide known as the nicest man alive. And then oh, go get the, he gets that big button sewn on his jacket because he doesn't want to break it the next time. Like, so funny. Funny. Uh, just a... Uh, well here here just real quick jesse i I could tell this story now um so after the trade deadline um i was there and i was on television for 20 seconds i think um but i was there all day and i and i helped so there was a there was like an after party and i drove there in the back seat of dave amber's car with jd bunkus it was a very fun time and all the all the sports net people are there and we're, we have this big, long table and people are talking about the trades of the day. And, uh, you know, Elliot is sitting across from Bunkus and, and they're talking shop, they're, they're talking business. And for whatever reason, I was having a really anxious day and uh, like j- just I had a lot going on in my mind. Oh, you know what it was? It, my wife is pregnant and oh, I did not that know little it. thing. Oh, that little thing. So I didn't I didn't have anything to contribute to any conversations but i was sitting across from kelly rudy and there was his wife there who i had never met previously and out of nowhere i just like kelly and i locked eyes and i just went I, i'm gonna be a dad and he oh that's so good oh and his wife never met me but that's so wonderful do you know boy oh that's no 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 that's good no no keep it a seat that's so good oh it's gonna be such a wonderful surprise oh they're a blessing oh we have grandkids now and and it was just 90 minutes of them being the two nicest people on planet earth to me. That's, was, i've heard nothing but that from about kelly rudy just kelly the is best a guy gentleman's gentleman just a really wonderful wonderful guy he really helped take uh take the pressure off that night <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, That's Kelly Rudy, really great cool. guy. Sorry, what were you saying, Jesse? Um, getting back I, to, I was just gonna say, sorry, go ahead, Jesse, why? Because Adam, you were commenting how uh, hockey, we love the the fourth line guy and all that stuff, and I think it has a lot to do with the sport itself, in that it's such a team sport. In basketball, you have a guy who can play the whole game and score fifty points and and dominate the entire game. In hockey, you you have your defenseman playing the most amount of minutes. You got a third line guy playing 18 minutes and your star might only get on the ice for like 17 or 18, you know? So I think that's why you look towards the the third and the fourth line guys and you don't want to forget them. You don't want to just focus on the stars. Like it's probably, it's definitely better for marketing to only focus on the big guys, but like those third and fourth line guys are such a part of the winning a game that guys don't want to forget about them and just disregard them. I agreed. Agreed. And I, I, I think you don't need to, to, um, I, I don't know if you need to play it the same way, but, but I think that there can hockey can be not serious. And if you actually, if you look at our merchandise on the SDPN.ca shameless plug, um, you'll find that there's a, there's a 
motto in there. Sports are fun. And that is exactly, that's our model. That is our company motto because, yeah. you know, corporations have mottos. So we have a really one. good one. I think it's, and, it's, and it's genius. Should, that's how we built this show. Yeah. The show was never supposed to be like this. You know, you have your rants and your serious stuff. And like, you know, we kind of like call bullshit or, you know, during the, you know, the, the, the big protests last summer and the, you know, COVID, there were some serious episodes in there for sure. But, but ultimately, this show is supposed to be fun. And it was the show that we weren't hearing on the radio. That's what we tried to create here. And I think, you know, as these new panels gel, it'll be nice to see some of that. But I want between periods, I don't, I want some, some hockey breakdowns. I want to watch, re, you know, replays and break down the goals or whatever. And I want to laugh. That's it. It's a very simple formula. So if we can figure that out as a game, I think you're going to grab a lot more of the casual viewers that we've been looking for. It's like what Max Kellerman said on first take. There are... 20,000 hockey fans in every market and they're all at the game. And that's why TV revenues are so low. And if you could, if you could bring guys in with entertaining personalities, guys, girls, I, I say that ubiquitously, whatever you want. Um, if you could bring people in with entertaining personalities who can break down the game and balance the broadcast a little bit more, I think you have a lot more fans that are just, you know, that are coming into the game because things like, the salary cap and the ridiculous rules and the collective bargaining that dominate the conversation between periods and on the radio, kill it. It's exhausting. We talk about this. We sometimes actively avoid certain things just because it's like, okay, yeah, I know that's a major story, but honestly, does anyone want to hear us talk about it? Let's have some fun. You know what I'm saying? You know, Adam, I think I get it. You want to jump ship from bell and <laughs> Go to no no. Let me finish. You want to go to you want to go to Sportsnet, and uh, you you oh, want to okay. you want to get the band back together. And I'm I'm for it if that's what you really want. What band? I'm what band? for it. We're oh Jesse, you want to come too? No, Jesse can come too. I know. No, I I'm really. I mean, what are you gonna produce? Time. Adam's gone. Like no, you gotta you gotta come to Sportsnet. <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta come back and work at Tim and Sid. Although I don't know if you've been keeping up with the news. It's a little different now, but you gotta you gotta come back. Oh, there oh, you go. I love it, love it. There it is. Can you get that on the first day, Jesse? That Tim and Sid shirt? Yeah, before I started. Yeah, my boss. Well, at the time, my boss John Coleman. He gave me a whole set of Tim and Sid merch. It's pretty sweet. That's cool. I love that. That's how you do it, right? Right. I remember. Uh, I, I, it was really nice. Serious and uptight radio. show, by the way. Tim and Sid. What's that? Really serious and uptight show. Tim and Sid. Oh yeah. <laughs> we showed up at Virgin Radio and got like winter jackets sweaters coats every like everything you could put it's like you're gonna wear winter you're gonna wear virgin radio stuff or you're in big trouble mister and i was like okay fine and their jackets are bright red so when you go skiing it's like you're part of the rescue patrol it's cool how did we get here <laughs> like, someone's in oh, trouble and then you, you go right to get by? back to the band i think we uh, yeah what, 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 yeah you, and, and you know what jesse you're right what band what are we just, talking about here can you get to this quicker <laughs> the beatles you said we were getting the band back together by joining Sportsnet. Yeah, because you all worked show. at Rogers at one point. Oh, oh. And now, and then we'll be all back, or and then we'll we'll take over, or more take people <laughs> join SDPN, where the motto is already sports are fun, well, and right. we stick with this company and we continue to make sports fun. Jesse, I like to be in the company it's, of you two. 
<laughs> it's SDPN. Sports are fun. Also, Sportsnet. Sports are fun. <laughs> All right. We share. I don't know if I told you, but we share the motto. Yeah, it's true. I forgot. I forgot. All of our stuff actually says sports are fun. Also, Sportsnet. We love Sportsnet. Sports are fun. Yeah. Buy cable. Buy, yeah. Buy a package. Ignite TV. Talk to your remote today. Ignite the idea of sports rather than your family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's, guys. We need to talk about something Nailed that's it. been bubbling under the surface. And I, I started this conversation for our show at least a couple shows ago with, um, with a conversation about you're a head coach, and you're a head coach in the NHL, and you're a head coach in the NHL that's not doing well, and you're a head coach in the NHL that's not doing well. And you're sitting a player that's making $9 million a year for the next eight years. And you're a head coach in the NHL that's not doing well, that's sitting a player that's making $9 million a year for the next like eight years. And you didn't even coach hockey when you were not in the NHL. And you've never had a winning record. And now all of those things are true. And you don't know (laughs) when your star player was injured. Ralph Kruger, guys, is gone. He's gone, but like, he's not gone. Gone. Oh, so he well, has not, he's not actually gone been yet. Fired. No. no. So here's here's the interesting part. So so let's break this down. This is a big big issue with this with mm-hmm. Sabres fans today. Who you can't. I, I if you're making fun of Sabres fans at this point, there's something wrong with you, because they all deserve a gigantic hug. If you still admit oh. publicly to supporting the Buffalo Sabres, God bless you. Like, this is just an awful, awful team and an awful setup. Everything's bad. And Sabres fans actually are allowed back, by the way, on March uh, 20th. I think Why? it's less than 2,000 people. Um, and that's, I don't know what, what they're going to buy a ticket for. Um, so they basically, um, uh, Ralph Kruger said that, that uh, Jack Eichel hurt himself in warm-up. And then Jack Eichel said, no, I didn't. I hurt myself in New Jersey on Tuesday. And according to John Vogel, who writes for The Athletic and did a huge breakdown, I highly suggest you read. It was really good. Uh, He said, the best case scenario for this, sorry, there's no best case scenario for this. Since Kruger said it wasn't the usual gamesmanship that can accompany players' health status, either he didn't know of an injury to his superstar or he misled everyone. And then here's what Kruger had to say. When I mentioned it, the specific region that actually took him out of the game, the first time I'd heard about it was warm-up but that he was injured and that he came out of the game in New Jersey was clear to me. But it turns out there was multiple lower body injuries and whatever. Jesus. So it wasn't just Vogel uh, skewering the Buffalo Sabres. I'm trying to, here it is from Mike Harrington. A, oh boy. Uh, it's been a while. Can't for tanker. He's cantankerous. That's for sure. Been a while for Mike Harrington, but here he is back on the show. 21 hours ago, he tweeted, this franchise is an utter disgrace. Ownership, management, coaches, players, all of them. That's all I got to say today. Man. Wow. What, it's, it's funny. Like, I follow, I feel like I follow enough fans of each team that I have a decent idea of what they're all going through. Red Wings fans are miserable but Mm -hmm. they understand it's all part of the process sends fans too 
They're ha- they're actually having really fun with it. Are you seeing the sickos thing that's taken off? No, no. Sins fans are calling themselves sickos because of that one meme. The I I got to show it to you, but basically you're sickos if you watch this team. So oh, we're the sickos. Great job there, Steve. <laughs> I I pulled the shoot, Jesse. Usually I go on for half an hour to get there, but I pulled the shoot early. Canucks fans are mad. Canucks fans are mad, but there's like, I mean, there's still hope there. Uh, Ducks fans, they know they're going through a rebuild. Sharks fans, sort of the same thing. Rangers aren't doing very well. Same thing. Sabres fans are just like, there's no hope. There is no hope. Not only are we bad, but there's a very good chance we get worse. Because Jack Campbell could be traded. Yeah. And as a fan, even base, worse, Adam, Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> as a fan base, you sit there and you're like, oh, we did all the losing and we got the number one overall or number two overall pick and like everything should be better by now. And you're like, five years later, it's still going on. And you got Dalene. So disappointing. You got Dalene number got one. Dalene. You got number one yeah. again or, or number one again, you know? It's, yes. Yes. Dylan and, Cousins, and then, number seven. I, I think the other thing too is is so it's it's sorry 1970 tickets per game that'll be sold um according to John Vogel he said a coaching change this season isn't as simple as calling Bruce Boudreaux Gerard Gallant or Claude Julian they'd have to quarantine once arriving in Buffalo a process that would take at least a week maybe two meanwhile the Sabres have seven games in the next 13 days as of today so I don't know what you're gonna do the organization could summon Rochester coach Seth Appert on an interim basis, but he has six games of professional experience, guys. Oh, my. The Rochester God. American staff also features first-year assistants Adam Mayer, former Leaf, and Mike Weber. I think, yeah. And then here's the other fun part for the Pagulas. Ralph Kruger also has one more season on his contract at $4 million a year, according to Pierre Lebrun. The Pagoulas have a long history of throwing money away on coaches and GMs, but the financial losses are already huge in the pandemic era. Uh, Though they might be okay with letting Kruger go in the offseason, would they bother now since the playoffs aren't going to happen anyway? Not to parrot Dwayne Steinel, uh, he of Buffalo Sabres Radio Rant fame. Um, this is ownership. This is a hundred thousand percent ownership. Ownership is the reason the Buffalo Sabres suck. They fired how many coaches? They fired how many general managers? Now they had Jack Eichel fall into their lap. They had the first overall pick. They've picked top ten uh, pretty consistently in recent years, and they stink. Stink! They're unwatchable. They're the worst team in the NHL right now. Two seven and one in their last ten. Who's got a worse record in their last ten? I'm looking. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody has a worse record in their last ten games. The Buffalo Sabers stink. Taylor Hall, very nakedly signing there in order to get traded, is playing so poorly or his production is so poor with the Buffalo Sabres, good luck getting anything for him. And good luck, Jeff's, Taylor Hall, getting the numbers you want next offseason. Good, good luck. luck. Good luck. What a mistake. Now, the rumor was the other option for him was Nashville, which <laughs> it doesn't sound like Taylor Hall was going to make uh, the greatest choice no matter what. But on Nashville, he might have had a fighting chance for God's sake. The Buffalo Sabres? 
and and you're forced to carry the load because forget getting support from Jeff Skinner when he's in the lineup he can't score, but he's at, he's out of the lineup half the time. You got Jack Eichel, you got a bunch of other players who don't scare a single person. They suck. So I don't know what to tell you. You fire the coach, then he's just another friggin' fired coach in a long list of them. You fire the GM, well, you got to pick a direction at some point. What is, like, with Connor McDavid, we were like, man, how long is he going to tolerate this with Edmonton? But part of that was the air of surprise in that the Oilers still sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What is there on the horizon for the Sabres? Nothing. Nothing. They suck. They suck. They look like they're going to start to suck worse. They suck. And you know what's, I mean, what's scary is that's the end of the conversation. Like, there's nowhere for it to go. With McDavid, not, it was... No but, maybe, anything. Yeah. Nothing. With McDavid, it was always the Oilers suck, but... And now look at them. They're good. Mm-hmm. They're good. They're one of the hottest teams in the NHL, second in Canada. The Sabres suck. They've been bottom five for God knows how long. They suck, and there's nowhere for them to go but down. I have a question. Answer. Steve, last episode, you were speaking about GMs, specifically Mark Bergevin, mm-hmm. talking about their one bullet, which is firing the head coach. If Kevin Adams makes that decision, this was not his head coach, by the way, but if Kevin Adams makes this decision, he's going to be hamstrung by budget. There's no way he's going to be able to go and buy a three or $4 million coach again because Ralph Kruger's going to be on the books for another season. And he's used his bullet. And if it doesn't work out well here for Kevin Adams, former Leaf, former Sabre, mm-hmm. he'll never be a GM again. And he was the Pagula's guy. He was their guy. So he's got to do a good job here. So here, here is where the conversation continues, right? Here's the potential. Kevin Adams hasn't really had a chance to do anything yet. I do admire how bold he was for going out and getting Taylor Hall. Like that's no small thing, but if he really wants to earn his money here and be a GM in this league for a long time and, you know, make the Buffalo Sabres into a winning team, he's got to find a way to make some moves. I don't care if you're making lateral moves, just trying to figure shit out. You got to make your team not ass. They're ass. (laughs) They're the fourth worst team in the NHL by points percentage. They're Mm -hmm. terrible. And the teams below them, basically except for the Canucks, meant to be bad. The Canucks knew they were taking a step back. Sabres didn't think they were taking a step back. They signed Taylor Hall. Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl. They added, and by the moves that I praise, by the way, Bring in Taylor Hall. If he's good, re-sign him. If not, you can still trade him for X, Y, and Z. Eric Stahl, that should help fix the room. That should help get Jeff Skinner going. Both of them. Horrible. you got to find, and I know it's a petrodactyl right now. All right? It's difficult to make trades in a panini. But what? you you got to do something. I'm not even talking panic moves. you got to do something. Well, 
in panic move territory, guess who has made the athletics uh, trade deadline board? Oh, hit me, Adam. Don't say Jack Eichel. Joseph R. Eichel. And, and is it Joseph? And, and, no, it's not. I'm just, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's Jack. <laughs> or Jack. If, if anything, it'd be James, but I just thought it would be funny to do a different name. Jack Eichel's on the board. They say chances are if a deal did happen, it would be in the offseason, which makes sense. He makes 10 million bucks. Yeah. But there was a, an, a, a, um, a GM or an, an executive quoted saying, we think he ends up with the Rangers, which is what everybody seems to think. Um, and, uh, and it's so funny because then all the fake NHL rumor accounts are going, well, I've just heard from a, an executive who thinks, uh, <laughs> and you're like, okay, well then yeah, they're just parroting that. But Jack Eichel's on the board. I'd be interesting to see if Sportsnet and TSN agree. Cause I like comparing the boards, right. To see who makes what, where, um, and a Jack Eichel move would be an earth shaker. Yeah. I don't see it happening this season, but then what else do you do? Like, Rasmus Ristolainen has been in trade rumors since 2014. And what do you get? That's not even the biggest story he's been involved in this year. What's the other one? He had complications from COVID. Like he was having difficulty going up and down the stairs. I think he's just returned to action. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's not many stories like that in hockey, but he's one of them. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. So there's that, the, you know, the, the whole, the, remember the report that came out a couple of weeks ago that there's mutual interest between the Buffalo Sabres and Taylor Hall and signing an extension. I, I think there would be uh, if Taylor Hall can't get it anywhere else. I would, I too would want to negotiate with the team dumb enough to give Jeff Skinner that contract. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he's got them pinned. What else are they going to do? Yeah. Pay him in a, like an insane amount of money. What are you going to do? Keep being bad? Well, and the thing is, though, with Taylor Hall is that when was the last time Taylor Hall was great? 2017. So, like, at, at what point – this is a guy, and I understand this, Hart Trophy winner, I get it. But at what point are we going to start saying Taylor Hall's not that player anymore? Well, you know, we, we often use this term, hard miles. Guys, he scored a goal this year. One. Yeah. That's not good. He's a good playmaker. I mean, 12 points in 19 games on the Buffalo freaking Sabres is no f- small feat. But, um, yeah, man, hard, hard, extremely hard miles on that body. That's tough. You know, he was criticized for having a dog shit season last year. It wasn't that bad. It's We talked about the standard for star players. He had, uh, quick math, 52 points in... 65 games. $8 million forwards need to score more than 20 goals, Steve. Yes. That's the problem. That's the problem. That's the problem. Man, he was so good. And I was wrong, by the way. It was 2018. Uh, 76 games, 93 points, 39 of which were goals. But, man, you go back and look through his career, there's no other season that looks anything like that. (laughs) He had 13, 14, he had 80. He had 80 points, um, but not the 39-goal pace, the nearly 40-goal pace, because Taylor Hall was on pace to score over 40. He still he scored 93 points despite missing six games. <laughs> he was good. He was extremely, extremely good. But other than that one 80-point season, he hasn't cracked 70. That's, I, uh, I mean, I think there's mutual interest because uh, they need each other. 
Adam and Steve, if I put in put in front of you a blank contract to be the GM of the Buffalo Sabres, and I say your starting uh, core is Jack Eichel, um, Rasmus Dahlin, Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, Jack Quinn, and Dylan Cozens, is that not enough to build a contender within like two years? You'd, you'd think so. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, you, would, you would think you look so, at, You look at the like, young pieces and you'd, th- you'd think so. But they're radioactive. No one wants to go there. Right? Like, you need to be able to attract Russian free agents, Swedish free agents, college free agents. You need to draft well. You need to be able to sign um, big fish and also sign off-the-board players. Right. Like these are what all the good teams are able to do. And they're able to do so little of that. Um, drafting outside of the first round for the most part is a nightmare. But they uh, don't have a staff. Like they don't, they fired everyone. You don't have a scouting that? staff. You, you, you like look at the, the reason the Leafs and, and for a long time, the, 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 the Red Wings, some of these teams is that there's an unlimited budget on scouts and people like that they can go to other countries and find these diamonds in the rough these value ads which the sabers need especially when jeff skinner is nine million bucks are sitting on the bench and they can barely get find enough guys to scout for them for the draft draft just for the draft and that's ownership that's ownership and i'm looking i'm looking through the roster god the amount of breath we wasted on colin miller oh what a shame <laughs> or what a- is or or is it the Buffalo sickness? Tell me who's gone to Buffalo and done well. Ryan O'Reilly, now the captain and now and Stanley Cup winner in St. Louis. Like who has I gone mean, that's from the best one team example. to the Sabres? Simmons, Wayne Simmons. Now he did have eight months of rehab and rest and relaxation. When he came back and played for the Leafs, he was unbelievable. He was a great player, all of, again, in comparison to what we thought he was based on his play in New Jersey and Buffalo last season. We all thought Taylor Brandon Hall Montour. hasn't looked good. We thought Brandon, Brandon Montour was going to be good. And then he ended up on the Sabres. Like maybe there is like a Sabre sickness and I'm being a bit of a, that's a bit of a, 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 you know, a nickname, but maybe it, maybe it's just so depressing to play in that dressing room right now. And I'm not talking about the city. I'm talking about the culture around the team. Maybe it's just so bloody depressing that it's like, I, I don't know. I'm just not good anymore. Think about here. Here's one that really gets me. Hmm. There was a player, and I want to see if you can name him, Steve, who just gave up $15 million and said, I'm not playing in Buffalo. Oh, um, oh, for God's sake. He's Swedish. Um, yes. Is it Berglund? I'm, I'm completely blanking. I can picture him. He used Berglund, to play for right? the Blues. Patrick Berglund. Berglund. Why did I remember now, that he played for the Blues? He had his own things going on, right? Yes. There, I think Chris Johnston, but like if let's say it had been, he had been traded to a Stanley cup contender. You think he would have hacked it out? Maybe it's that's his story to tell, but you would think so. Now I am going to say one thing for the Sabres, right? Um, Carter Hutton is one five and one with an eight, nine, six safe percentage. That is ghastly. Linus Olmark, Linus Olmark, sorry, 
is five, four, and two on this godforsaken team with a nine nineteen. And Jonas Johansson, who a lot of Sabres fans think is going to be really good for them, has a nine fifteen. Although he hasn't won a game yet. I mean, they got shut out in their in back to back games, so goal scoring is the problem at the moment. But you can do a lot of things with goaltending. So uh, Carter Hutton, they gotta figure out what's going on there. Um, and if they can't, they need to make a decision for how to have him not be a Buffalo Sabre anymore. You, you need saves. You need goals. This team needs everything. Kevin Adams, uh, so you want to be a GM. It's, this, is, this is being an NHL GM on Legendary. Hey, let me ask you this, guys. You're, you're the Sabres. You're the new GM. And Jesse, same question. Is Jack Eichel your recourse? What do you mean? As in trading Jack Eichel. Is that the way, inevitably, in five years, you're better than you are now? I don't think you get better by trading Jack Eichel. Like, that's, that's just the way I look at you, uh, when you're building Do you get a- better by keeping him? You get better yes. by making him happy and making him play well with guys around him. And I think that just should be a philosophy for everyone when they're building a sports franchise. Like, you don't trade the the star of your team when you're trying to build something up and he's still young and he's still there's a chance to redeem this like jack echo's not out the door he's not demanding a trade yet it's gonna get there if it keeps going this way but there's still mm-hmm. something to salvage there and if you can keep jack eichel then you have the core piece that you're going to be looking for after you trade him you have Fair to enough. keep him happy yeah that's the thing. I don't know how you do it. Uh, TikTok, baby. TikTok. Good app. Probably might need a new head coach in there very soon. Uh, yep. And I wonder who it's going to be because here's the thing. They're not going to have the budget for any of the big names. So what do you do? Um, Maybe on. The, uh, the Bills playoff run will get a couple more dollars into the Sabres' <laughs> pockets, you know? Same, same, same family, so... Maybe they can fund a little money. They have to I don't think around. it's money. It's not money with the Sabres. It's the shitty decisions. <laughs> they have the money. They're probably, what, top half at least in the league? Shitty decisions. Dumb hockey decisions that make their dumb hockey team worse. Do smart things. Get better. <laughs> good Lord. Uh, good nice. Lord. T-shirt? No Sabres t-shirt. fan disagrees with this conversation right now. None. No, I don't think so. None of that's them. That's the thing. Usually when we go, hey, this team sucks, people are like, hey, wait a second. Not with the Sabres. They're like, yeah, we know. This is insane. We can't believe this either. No, and what what happens sometimes when I say these things, because this happened, I, I tweeted something about the the Sens recently in a, in a bad draft pick they made, and people went, well, what about the Leafs? They, they sucked. Don't I know it? I've been making videos about them since 2007. <laughs> I know. My Steve, book is gold. This team is ruining my life. I know. And are I you aware the that they zoo. haven't won the cup since 67? Did you know that? Holy shit, Adam. You should tweet that because I don't think anyone knows that. <laughs> you know what? 67 is more recently than never. All I'm saying <laughs> is I know a shit team when I see one. Cheered for one for a very long time. Sabres stink. Let's go. You know who else stinks? Who? Montreal. Uh, what? Out of nowhere. I know. They turned it's on the weird. shit switch and Mare Delors. Like, just, <laughs> I cannot believe it. Cannot well, believe it, it with that team. 
we talked about this in the offseason. I can remember the conversation vividly because it was like, if Carey Price doesn't hit a 920 and save percentage, the Montreal Canadiens don't go anywhere, right? That we did have that conversation. He's got to be consistently and, a top 10 goalie in the league. And Carey Price has a save percentage in 12 games of 888 right now. Wow. Jake Allen has a save percentage of 929 in eight games played. The Habs currently sit a point up on the Flames with two games in hand for fourth place. Man. And, and I just want to, th- I want to throw this at you. People are like, you know, they, they said this on the broadcast on Saturday night. Well, you ride Jake Allen for a couple of games. Okay, true. Maybe you do. But if you don't sort out Carey Price, the Montreal Canadiens are going nowhere. Nowhere. Why does the hockey world give Carey Price a pass in terms of still ranking him as the definitive number one goalie in the world? Because the over the last month, we saw all of the Team Canada projections for the next Olympics, and all of them had Carey Price as number one goalie in the league. When they do all these surveys that end up in the athletic, the, with this like, oh, who's the best goalie? We asked X amount of players. It's always Carey Price in the top three every single time. In all these rankings, it's Carey Price, but he hasn't performed like that in the last three seasons. It's dwindling. So why consistently does the NHL still rank him as one of the top goalies when he hasn't performed like that in the last couple of years? Because every now and then he shows you why people think that. Um, and the same with Mike Smith, man. That guy hasn't been consistently good for a very long time. I know he's had a good start this season, but that's the thing. Like, I think just when you're going, is Mike Smith shit? He just rattles. <laughs> he's he just know for some reason. Yep. Like, <laughs> and he's just in and he's unbeatable. He's unbeatable. That's why he's been able to ride 2012 for <laughs> nine years. Yeah. Cam Ward Cam rode Ward. his rookie season for over a decade. He had some good seasons in there. Let's not be disrespectful. Some say he's still going. Oh, man, that final season. <laughs> Somewhere out there, some <laughs> NHL team is ready to give him $4 million. And that'll take us to the promised land, said ex-NHL team. Teams were willing to go after Jimmy Howard this year. Yeah. This year. And he said, no, 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 take your millions and stuff and I'm retiring. Yeah, no, actually, no. He's that's let me, okay. Let me let me back Jesse's point, sure, because he's right now. From 2013 to 2017, Carey Price was unstoppable. Let me read you these just this just save percentage 13 14 through 17 or through 13 14 through 16 17. So he goes from a 905 and in, in 13, and then the 14 927, 933, 934, 923. Now in 17 18, aka the last year that Taylor Hall was good, a 900. <laughs> okay so that falls off the next year oh look at this a little bit of rebound 66 games he's healthy 918 then last season a 909 and this year an 888 now i think a lot of the year he was injured in there just uh the year he was really injured yeah the one where he played like two games yeah well, he he <laughs> he hit twelve games and he oh. had a nine thirty four. That's why the the save percentage was so high. But yeah, the year yeah. before he had a nine, the year before he did nine thirty three. So it's oh. not out of line with what he where he was at, right? Yeah, but he played twelve games. Like you could count that season. One hundred percent. And and I I think Jesse, you have a point. It's like at what point does this trend become a reality? And if you look at any player and you judge any player on the last 
three seasons, which is what you should be doing for a trend, carry price is trending down and he might be injured and it might be this and it might be that. At what point is it's just not enough? So I'm looking at the breakdown that you just said, Adam. Mm-hmm. He was the best goalie in hockey for planet Earth. No question. At no least, question. I would say four consecutive seasons. If you're doing cumulatively over those four seasons, the best goalie in hockey, and that includes the season where he only played 12 games. Right. Then he had a 900, and we went, "Whoa, what's that all about?" Ah, uh, it's probably just did the we injury. Don't? Have we? Right? Well, some people did. And whoa, what's all that all about? And he's injured and whoa. Follows it up with a 918 and 66 games. That is excellent. And that is best goalie in hockey conversation worthy. Mm-hmm. Follows it up next year with a 909 in 58. And we go, hmm. Very good, but oh well, it's the save percentage. Save percentage league wide is dropping. That's about average. But again, he's making ten and a half million dollars. After that. He was able to ride, I think, the bubble. So we're so was the whole team. And now we're looking at his 888 and going, uh-oh, spaghettios. What's gone on here? It's not a good situation, man. And him and Bobrovsky are screwing it up for goalies everywhere. You should nobody should ever give goalies a double-digit number ever again. That should never happen in hockey. Man, it's never if, gonna work out. If both of those guys were performing, would we be saying that? But they're, no, but, not. They're not. <laughs> but they're not. <laughs> right. But what I'm saying is that we can't, I don't know if we can make a blanket statement like that because there could be somebody who comes along and does perform well for yeah, that. And then they stop doing it. And but then you're make- like, oh, I gave him $10 million. Yeah, well, they're I making won't be GM at that point. So <laughs> they're making, they it making it harder. And this is the thing. So there's still the only two making double digit. Someone making close to that is Andre Vasilevsky mm-hmm. with, I think, nine. If there was anybody in the league worthy of that, it'd probably be him. But double digits, no one, no one coming up, uh, no one, you know, pending free agency, nobody, nobody, mm-hmm. nobody. You, I think if you spend more than seven on a goalie, and even that goalie's got to be in the Vesna conversation every year. It's funny because well, yeah. with goalies, they seem to not get paid at their peak. They seem to get paid at like the end of the crest, like Carter Hart, like Austin Matthews, for example, he gets paid going into his, his prime. Like even before his prime, he gets the big paycheck, but a guy like Carter Hart, you got to come up and then play two seasons and prove that you're a starter and then you get paid. But if it were work like a, like a forward or a defenseman, he would get paid going into those years. And it just doesn't work that way with goalies. So you're always kind of on the losing end with these contracts. I'm wondering, you know, because because it's true. Like, listen, Montreal can ride Jake Allen all the way to the playoffs, and that's fine. But we all know that they're in serious trouble if Carey Price doesn't perform, right? We know that. We know that. Well, just if, they have $10.5 million on a guy who's not playing, right? Bingo. Bingo. He has to perform. Um, how does that relate to, and I hate to make this about the Leafs, but Darren Dreger said something interesting today that I wanted to run by you guys. And this was, I read this tweet right before I came downstairs from my little nap to do this show. And the tweet was about the Leafs challenges over the next few years, because Darren Dreger loves to do this. Who, how are they going to resign everybody? Cause this is where, and Leaf fans bite every freaking time. And I'm going to bite here. Sure. Anderson and Hyman are up this year. Riley's up next year. 
And he said, how are you going to get those guys all under contract? And I think, as I told you before, I don't think you get uh, Anderson under contract. And for anybody that's worried about Morgan Riley, he's still got next year as well. I don't think you get Morgan Riley under contract. I don't think he's coming back. Morgan Riley needs to go make a lot of money. I think Hyman comes back. And I think that's where you put your focus. But if you have, okay, let's say Jack Campbell's got 59 games of NHL experience. And Jesse, you mentioned this earlier. And he can give you, let's say he can give you a 905. And I know his numbers are actually higher than that on a really bad Los Angeles Kings team. The, the season where he played the most games, strangely, was when LA was at its worst and he had his best results. Late bloomer, that sort of thing. If you can tandem guys and you got two goalies making that, you got a lot more money to spend up front on, on players that can, you know, bring you... Because the goalies are so big now. you got players that can like do what Jake Muzzin did to the Leafs defense, push shots to the outside, change the culture, do sorts of things, the sorts of things that you need to do. I wonder if the NHL, with certain exceptions, moves to the 1A, 1B model that they were riding for the late 80s. A lot of the late 80s teams, um, like I believe there was, Montreal had a double Vesna winner one year because the tandem was literally split even. And they were the best two goalies in the league. And I forget who it was. It was like, um, I, it was like 1990 or something like that. There was like a double Vesna winner. And I wonder if we start to see that again, because financially you cannot overcommit to these guys because it's yep. too much money. How many games did Curtis McElhinney play in the bubble? I don't know. <laughs> How many did he play? Uh, let's look it up. Survey says uh, it's not on hockey DB. Woo! I'm pretty sure the answer is zero. Hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. even though we saw Anton Hudobin push the Stars all the way to the Stanley Cup final as the backup filling in for the starter, you mm-hmm. still need that guy. You need that guy. Like, I look at the Hurricanes, for example. Yeah, McElhinney didn't play a game in the playoffs. Um, I look at the Hurricanes. I like Morazic. Fine. Mm-hmm. I like Reimer. Mm-hmm. Fine. But I think teams need to pick one. Right, because right. come playoff time, you're gonna have to pick one. I just don't really think the tandem thing works in the playoffs. You might get a round or two out of it. I just don't think it works during the regular season. It makes a ton of sense as long as you know come playoff time, you have to pick. So once fifty, once thirty, basically. Yeah, but that's not even tandem anymore. That's just there's a starter and a good backup. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. By but the way, I, I think what you're saying is there should just be a good backup, and I agree. Well, yeah, and you've got to leave yourself the room for it. And I don't think Freddie Anderson is going to – I think Freddie Anderson's going to want a lot of money, and somebody's going to pay him that. Like, if you're Freddie Anderson, are you not, like, asking for a Jake Markstrom contract? You're asking for it. It depends how he does this season, because Markstrom, the season he was coming off of, I thought he would have got more. Markstrom wasn't even the highest-paid goalie. That was Matt Murray. Wild. I'm, I'm not sure if that's because – yeah, man. Uh, Markstrom got the six per, and uh, Murray got the uh, six and a quarter for fewer got, years. I thought he had still. five and a quarter for some reason. That's six, six and, a, and quarter a quarter for Matt Murray, who Whoa. is doing not good. Wow. Yeah, man. Holy smokes. Yeah, man. By the Freddy, way, I think I was I, wrong about the double Vesna winner. I think it might have been double something else. My bad on that one. Oh, the Jennings? I thought it was, but maybe. Yeah, maybe it was I, the Jennings. Because I'm looking at Markstrom's deal. And I'm looking at uh, Murray's deal. 
Freddie makes five right now. I don't think he's going to get a ton more than that. I think he someone pays him. Yeah, maybe, but like he hasn't, he doesn't have the two cups under his belt like Murray. He doesn't have the last season under his belt like um, Markstrom did. And we're still in a panoramic. Uh So I don't see how he gets more than six with less term than Markstrom. Unless someone's real desperate and willing to give them the money. Also, I mean, the way this season shakes out plays a massive role. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Obviously, like he needs to be better. They need to have playoff success. If they suck in the playoffs again, no one's going to commit that kind of money to him. Right. If Freddie wins a round, he gets seven million dollars. You know, I hate that. That's the standard. No, <laughs> no. Get out of Canada <laughs> at least. You got to get you out of the Canadian not division. It's not going to be the Leafs. No. No. Not going to be the Leafs. I don't mm-hmm. think so. No. I bet. And I, I, you know, don't be surprised. Freddie had a good run here, but don't be surprised when he's not here next year. Just don't. Yep. I've been expecting this for three years. This is, there's no way it makes sense. By the way, Bennington is up this year and I wanted to bring him up. <laughs> By the way, Jesse, to answer your question about Carey Price, when do we start saying maybe he's not the goalie he was? Yeah. Uh, I think right now is a good time. And I think last season might've been a good time. Um, and I think the reason that it hasn't happened yet is because people are kind of lazy in terms of actually looking at it. And then I think <laughs> when you did talk about, no, truly, when you did talk about Carey Price in a negative way for a long time, you got an earful from Habs fans. Believe me, I did it. But those echoes are they're less and less and less because it's, it's starting to sink in that he's not the goalie that he was. And he started to not be the goalie that he was right around the time he signed that extension. And that's hard miles, but the Habs are also, I, it could be just that they're in perfect storm territory, right? Their special teams are poor. Mm-hmm. Um, their five on five numbers are still good, but their special teams are poor. Their save percentage is down and their shooting percentage is down. Like they are PDO crashing all at once. And I just have a hard time believing a team that's as good at five on five as they are is actually this bad. Like, I don't know if they're the juggernaut that was advertised. Poor CJ. God, he just keeps eating shit for that tweet. Poor guy. But but uh, they even brought it up on 31 Thoughts. Freeman's like, oh, RIP CJ. Feel, feel bad for him. <laughs> What's but the tweet? He basically went, I think we can officially say it. The Habs are a juggernaut. Oh, God. And then it was like a week later they weren't. But Oof. like, man, been there. Been there man but for some reason everyone made that the uh the the flagship bad habs tweet for this year for some reason yeah we've all Uh, had freezing cold takes of course i don't i don't think they end up being this bad um they're definitely somewhere in the middle i'm gonna go they're closer to being good than bad they're gonna make the playoffs guys yeah the habs unless the flames are gonna make the playoffs yeah they're gonna make they keep doing this if they do this for two or three more weeks and the flames actually, you know, put it together. Well, that's the problem. The The flames and Habs right now are doing what the Leafs and Panthers did toward the end of last season. They're going after you, after you, after you, after you, neither of us want this. <laughs> like <laughs> the Leafs were like sub 500 and the Panthers were like, actually we're more shit. Take that Leafs. And that's kind of what the flames and Habs have been doing lately. And because- I think the, Habs come out on top. 
right now we're penciling in Leafs Winnipeg and then we're crossing off Vancouver Ottawa. So we got two spots between Calgary Edmonton and Montreal, right? That's Oh, the Oilers it. make it. Oilers make it yeah. easy. Yeah. Easy. Easy. Okay. So then it's just Calgary and Montreal is what we're looking at. Right Pretty now, much, right? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, okay. The Oilers make it asterisks. Mike Smith continues the streak he's on. They're good enough. Like, listen, I think they're they'll. Good I think they'll make it. Yeah. But are they going to be winning? I, I I think this was their hot streak this year. I like do slam dunk. Because I guess we're going to find out. Mike Smith's been incredible. Man, but they Mike lose to Smith, Hutch. <laughs> we'll see. No yeah, offense to Hutch, but like. Like uh, that's what we said the night before. Yeah. You know, I mean, Jack Campbell's great, but they were playing a goalie coming off an injury. That should be worse than a healthy hutch. Adam, you briefly brought up Jordan Bennington. Were you going to talk about him trying to fight 18 guys on the ice after getting pulled? (laughs) So I wanted to ask you before we got into this, I really wanted to ask you guys a question. You remember in high school, there was always that fucking guy, this (laughs) trademark, that fucking guy, TFG. Okay. who would walk around the playground and throw fake punches at people. And then he'd be like, oh, you flinched. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. There's yes. one in every school. There's one in every grade. You can name them. You can see their, their big stupid face and they always have a punchable face. And Jordan Bennington pulled that at the NHL level on Saturday night. And it's so funny to hear Devin uh, Dubnik's uh, comments post game because he was like, just chill out and get off the ice, man. Like go, get out of here. And uh and and he cost his team up, you know, put his team down. Cold goalie going in, put his team down with an unsportsmanlike. And I loved Craig Barube's spin on it because this is a real spin. He's a fiery guy. That's the way he is. He was trying to rally the team. That's what he's trying to do. Well, uh, throwing fake punches. Who who are you to say that Stanley Cup winning coach? Craig Berube is on because after all, after that little episode with Jordan Bennington, the St. Louis Blues won that game seven to six in the yeah. shootout. Did you see game. that some people were actually saying that was like that was Pretty the rallying cool. cry? That's why the Blues won because they were fired up that their starting goalie shit their pants on his way off the ice after getting lit up. God, what if the Sharks stink, man? And that's yeah. why you won. St. Louis fans really seem to like Bennington, though, right? Yeah, he won them a cup. Him. He's a fan yeah. favorite, but yeah. he seems a little like a hot-headish, if that's fair to say. Oh, he's hot-headed. <laughs> he's definitely hot-headed. Yeah. By the way, I love that the Leafs have the distinction of being the first team Bennington was ever pulled against. That was last year. Um, but uh, I, I didn't understand that. You're allowed to think that's funny, but like, that I've never seen that kind of pant shittery from a goalie who had just been pulled. I've never seen him like. Did he get a penalty for that? Yes, yeah. unsportsmanlike. Like, oh yeah, you got the unsportsmanlike. I, I don't know. I think he should have gotten maybe more than that. That's so ridiculous. Um, and, and it was funny. Curtis Stanford even said, uh, "I've got the quote here." That was good for us. He was pissed off and we were pissed off. Stop. To see him do something like, to watch, listen to this, guys. The best, best part of this quote is the back half. It's just, it's like ice cream on a summer day. To see him do something like that and go out with, fi- with some fire was good for us. That's thanks to Jeremy Rutherford, by the way, of the quotes. Yeah, he really you inspired that nonsense. What he- they should have said was, listen, our buddy was being a fucking idiot. Thank God we won. 
Right. And what I is think- he upset about? Like, how is he upset at the other team for getting pulled? Like, that's, they scored on you. Like, are you upset that you let in the goals? Yeah, but it's not. It's your fault. It's not their fault for scoring. Four goals on nineteen shots, Jordan. Four goals on nineteen shots. He inspired Devin Dubnik to have a seven (laughs) seventy (laughs) four. Remember, and everybody was like, "Hey, Dubnik and uh, who's their other goalie? Martin Jones. Martin Jones. There's a a tandem you you wouldn't expect. Best tandem in the league. (laughs) I was being so nice to them." Saying, oh, watch, they're going to be the shitty team from last year who's not shitty anymore. Yep, make a save. Good God. Yeah. Good God. They cannot make a save. No, that's yeah. that to me is the most ridiculous storyline. Yeah, you were so inspired by it that you allowed two more goals after that. Shut up. Nobody <laughs> Get is out of here. By you happened to guy. win the game. You're right. It has nothing to Against do the with bad the team. goalie who wasn't playing anymore. <laughs> Shut up. It had everything to do with the goalie who was playing, Dubnik. He was bad. You guys remember when? Uh, you guys, you guys remember when um, when Mark Messier fake punched the media, and the Rangers won the cup? That was pretty cool. I like that. <laughs> My favorite that Mark Messier for the thing. mic was like, "Oh, you flinched! You flinched!" Like I, nobody is inspired by fake punch guy. I just want to throw that out there. If you're a fake punch person, you suck. Stop it. No one yeah. cares. Knock no one off. cares. And if you make people flinch, good for you. you. I'm coming for you right now. <laughs> coming for you. With my, cut, my finger right up to the camera. Cut a promo on fake punch guy. <laughs> Listen here, brother. I am a real historian. <laughs> uh, where was I going with this? I don't even yeah, remember. I don't know. It's it's dumb. <laughs> It's dumb. Um, by the, the way, stupid, Evander the Kane. Hockey stuff like that is so annoying. <laughs> like, come <laughs> on. <Here's>, <laughs> can I give you the Can I give you the Dubnik quote extended because it's really good? Do you want me to read hit it me. to you? Yeah. Hit me, Adam. Don't he's fake. Like, I don't know me. why hit he's me. pretending to. I don't know why he's skating around pretending to punch guys. I just told him get off the ice, calm down. And then it's and then he says he goes on to say he's 160 pounds and he's out there swinging at guys. I don't know why he's out there fake punching everybody, but I understand guys get frustrated sometimes. He's competitive, a good goalie, and he was obviously pissed off. That's fine, but we can look after ourselves. And then Evander Kane said, it's like, it seems like he does a lot of talking. It's too bad I wasn't on the ice for that. Okay, speaking of guys who do a lot of talking, Evander Kane. I mean, Evander Kane throws some punches too, but like, shut up, dude. Wouldn't wouldn't you like to see Evander Kane, Jordan Benson just square off? Yeah, two two super likable guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just, just just the villains let's go <laughs> yeah i want to see the paul brothers fight you know who wins us that's, that is that is who wins that is what yes okay, i want to right. see that please yeah, i'm just so um, happy marco scandela scored two goals because jordan bennington threw a hissy fit you know that's wow. what happened <laughs> like you know uh, what? Here's the thing. The Bennington thing silly. isn't that big of a deal in the in the in the terms of a long term season, right? You're yeah. gonna have some some players are gonna go squirrely on you. It happens. But if this keeps up, if this is something that he does with any sort of regularity, like two three times, or it happens in the playoffs, and this is a guy that's won a game a championship, I get it. But this is something he can't allow to keep happening. He is now a leader on this team. He's also in a contract year. You can't. This can't happen. 
Can't this happen. is such a hockey thing. Like, oh man, that really got us going, boys. Like, I would love to hear the other part of. You know what? That really got us going. Before that, we weren't trying. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and that's the thing. honestly, before that, before he fake punched noted tough guy Eric Carlson, we just couldn't be arsed. And then he like fake punchied with the blocker, which is super cool, by the way, that he did that with a full set of goalie equipment on. And he fake punchied the guy with the blocker on, and that made me a multimillionaire be like you know what what if i tried yeah then we started playing real hard like shut up (laughs) like listen there are definitely times where a there where a fight could get you going and i i don't even doubt that that got the adrenaline going for the blues but like what a ridiculous thing to claim (laughs) i was previously not trying and but because but because our 160 pound goalie threw a fake punch at Eric Carlson, that made me Mackenzie McEachern get my first goalie uh, of the year. <laughs> that made Marco Scandella get his second. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Get out of here. I have a question. You didn't try. If you tried harder, maybe LeBanc and Couture don't score. Sorry. Yes, Ma- Adam. Matthew, Matthew Kachuk. There has been conversations about him in Calgary. Mm-hmm. And his quote unquote antics wearing thin on the Flames locker room. That's why, you know, when Muzzin flipped the puck at him, he slammed the door and things have been really tense in the Flames dressing room. He didn't feel like anyone came to his thing. And they're like, do you need to start something every game? And he's like, I'm Matthew Kachuk. That's what I do. Yeah, this is my thing. You know, the, the Blues covered for Bennington this time, head coach, players. But you've seen in Calgary what happens when they're like, okay, now I'm done. I'm just not going to say anything at all. That's, I think that's a different situation, but like the Flames should definitely take a lesson from the Bruins who only said anything to Marshan when they were like licking, <laughs> licking Brad. Like that's, but uh, part of the reason Marshan was so effective for so long is the Bruins enabled it. Mm-hmm. Like the, the Flames are going to, you know, start cutting the nuts off of Kachuk's game if they don't enable him to do the things that he does. Well, that's because the, the, the Bruins would mob anybody that touched Marchand. If you, if you breathed on him the wrong way, you'd have Zidane Ochara's stick down your throat. And look who's on the flames. Lucic, who enabled all of that. Shouldn't that be the vocal voice in the room going, uh, I, this is, I've seen this work quite effectively, actually. <laughs> where's, where's that? Where's that? And let's, let's not... Let's not uh, confuse what what happened here. There's Matthew Kachuk, who is who goes into the dirty area uh, areas and starts a war every single game. And there's a goalie starting a fake fight after getting pulled. They're two to me. They're two extraordinarily yeah. different scenarios. Fair. And the Blues Fair. trying and, to give I- the goalie who got pulled props in a shootout win over one of the league's worst teams is hilarious to me. Sorry. And with that, we're going to go to the press conference. All right. First up for the press conference, we are going to do a little Adam's history corner. The people have been asking and Kevin Murphy, Murphy specifically slid into Adam Oz DMs and Adam forwarded me this message. Mm. It says, Hey, 
Give me your favorite five Roman emperors one time on the AHC. That's Adam's History Corner. Get Adam's History Corner merch at stpn.ca right now. Do it or I'll fake punch you in the face. He said, hey, give me your favorite five Roman emperors one time on the Adam's History Corner. And I'll do- donate $50 to sick kids. Ooh, so, Kevin, wow. now that we did it, you got to do it. Uh, send in that receipt. And Adam, Receipts, Kevin. we need those Roman emperors. Top Rank them by beast. Guys, uh, so yeah, right up my beans. <laughs> These are <laughs> they, they, I, I basically, there, there's like a theory out there that there's five good Roman emperors, and that comes from the historian Edward Gibbon, who wrote like a gigantic volume of work in the 1800s called The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. Um, I'm gonna differ a little bit, but but there, most of them did make my list as well, and we're gonna just kind of run them down. So, we're gonna start with number five. On the rankings, I feel like Stephen A. Smith, but with history here. Hadrian, your boy Hadrian, best known as Hadrian from Hadrian's Wall, which runs from one side of England to the other side of England, because that's because Hadrian was like, we're tired of the Scottish, as we called back then, they called them the Caledonians. We're tired of them. So we're going to just build a big old wall. And if they want to come in and trade, we're going to funnel them through spots. But if they want to attack us, we're not going to have that anymore. So they built literally a wall from one side of England to the other side of England at the thinnest point in the north. And he also is one of the emperors who saw the entire empire. So this is Rome at its peak. And you have to remember what it took to get around in those times, right? You know, you wanted to get to the north of Italy, it would be a couple of weeks. And this guy saw the entire thing. He went through Greece, he went through Syria, he went through Egypt, North Africa, like Algeria, Morocco, Southern Spain, all the way up to England, where he decided we, we need a wall here, through France back down. This guy was on the move all the time. Also, uh, one of the uh, first, I think he was pretty out with the fact that he was a, a gay man. And that was completely one of those things. Ancient Rome was far more accepting of homosexuality than even we are uh, in most of our societies today, which is kind of crazy to think about. We just regressed in that because of various factors. Did they have a question, uh, teacher? Uh, Did they, professor, I should say, uh, did they have like sexuality and stuff, the Roman emperor? Wasn't that all stuff kind of just open? I don't know. It was, it was. And that that was because they adopted a lot of what the Greeks, um, they adopted Greek, Greek culture. You know, Romans were known for their hard work and their concrete, the artistic, uh, sexual, philosophical side of what became Rome, even their gods, the original pantheon of gods, uh, Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, all of them are Greek gods. All of them are Greek creations. They were huge admirers of Greek philosophy and thought, Aristotle, Plato, everybody. And so, um, you know, part of Greek culture was you slept with men, which, you know, People slept with same gendered people back then, uh, and they do now, and they always have, but they were far more accepting of it. And Romans, uh, before the Christianity age, uh, were big fans of like group sex and things like that. There's lots of stories about that, um, and probably played up a little bit as well, but certainly something where they all like to you know, get drunk. And uh, there's stories of Roman emperors saying, I'm gonna sleep with your wife tonight. And the guy who's married to that woman going, that's awesome. That's a big compliment to me. Thank you so much. <laughs> what? No, I, I'm not kidding. That was a thing that happened. That's now, amazing. that's probably because he's the emperor and you can't say no. But um, there, it's just, it was a completely different, it was a different view on sexuality back then. It did change, 
but it was a much different view on sexuality. A lot of what we would define or, you know, the arch conservative types in our society would define as sexuality today. The rigidity of it is based on Christian values that didn't develop till the third or fourth century. Um, things that, you know, uh, before were just commonplace. So if you actually get into the history of, of, you know, human sexuality, it's, it's far more colorful than you would think. So Hadrian, one of those Roman, guys. Oh, Roman Empire is what AD or Roman BC? Empire starts in about, I think it's, so the, the, the Roman Republic goes until I believe 50 BC. I think my dates are terrible, but right around the time of Christ, right around. And then you have Julius Caesar, who's not the first emperor, but he's the first consul basically for life. And he gets killed on the Senate floor. And then you have one of the guys that I'm going to mention a little later on this list, Augustus, his chosen successor is the first emperor. And he's considered the greatest emperor by a lot of people, 70 years. Again, we'll talk about it. And that empire lasts um, on the Western side, the European side, until about 430 something AD. And then the Eastern side, which then becomes, quote unquote, the Byzantine Empire. I still consider them Romans. They consider themselves Romans. That lasts until uh, Constantinople falls, which is now Istanbul in 1436 or something like that. So, you know, my dates are terrible. It's like 1432 or 1436. But the Roman Empire itself, when they started conquering people, really starts happening in 212 BCE and then continues till about 1400 AD. It's an enormous amount of time, about 1600 years. It's a crazy, it's crazy to think, right? And everybody thinks of Rome because Rome, Italy, whatever. Um, The Eastern half of the empire, uh, which is most of the Middle East today, along with Greece um, is, uh, and Egypt is just an incredible story in in and of itself. And we completely ignore it. It's sad. It's it's such a, uh, such a fascinating time. And we don't even call them Romans, but they called themselves Romans and everybody else called themselves the Romans or call them the Romans, but they're quote unquote, the Byzantine empire. So uh, number two or number four, I guess on this list, I should, maybe I should mention a little more about Hadrian. Um, He was energetic, traveled the whole thing, built the huge fucking wall. That's awesome. Number four, Trajan. There is also a Trajan's wall further North from Hadrian's wall. uh, Sorry, that's Antonine's actually. No, that's not. So Trajan civil administrator known for extensive public building, reshaped the city of Rome, left a ton of, uh, enduring landmarks, including Trajan's Forum, Trajan's Market, Trajan's Column. If you go there today, you're going to see a lot of Trajan stuff. This guy was a really great empire. One of the four emperors during what's called the Pax Romana. So you had an enormous empire, multicultural, multifaceted. But for about 100 years, uh, four emperors ran it, did a great job doing it. And there was no like infighting. There wasn't any civil wars happening within the empire, which was a big deal. So uh, uh, Trajan came along at that time. Uh, number three, Augustus. Augustus was the guy that Julius Caesar said, you're going to be the emperor if I die. Julius Caesar gets stabbed on the Senate floor. Augustus becomes the guy, gets into a huge war with Mark Antony, wins that war, takes back Egypt. Goodbye, Antony and Cleopatra. And he is famous for saying, I found a city of bricks and I turned it into a city of marble. And that is because in governing systems, um, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but democracy and republics tend to be a bit slower moving, right? It's fair. So Rome had just come into insane wealth. They'd conquered Greece, they'd conquered Syria, they'd conquered Egypt, they'd conquered North Africa, they'd conquered Spain, they'd conquered France, and they were 
about a generation away from conquering England as well, they had just, just absorbed most of the world in 300 or known world in 300 years and insane amounts of wealth. And this guy was the first guy to really put that into action. The system of the Roman Republic didn't work anymore. And that's why Augustus was the first emperor. He made it work really, really well, followed up by Claudius and Tiberius. And they were, they were okay. But um, uh, Augustus is number three on my list. Number two, if you ever saw the movie, are you ready for the, the Russell Crowe gladiator? Oh, yeah. You remember? Mm-hmm. Marcus Aurelius. He's the old man. He's the one that's like, four years of peace and 20? Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then his commodus smothers him with a pillow. Um, that didn't actually happen, by the way. But uh, yeah, uh, Marcus Aurelius was the, ba- the, the last of the four great emperors in a row. Uh, philosopher emperor was the first guy he's he's viewed favorably by historians of a certain era which focused a lot on christianity's acceptance in the roman empire there's a lot of people that are like this is really an important thing and it was a an important cultural move but i think we put a little too much on like how important it was with marcus aurelius all he said was please stop persecuting the christians and that was it (laughs) Because they used to burn them at the stake and throw them to the lions and all of that stuff. And number one to me is Emperor Constantine I. This is the guy that, and I told you that Rome split, right? There was the Western Empire and there was the Eastern Empire. Constantine came back, reconquered Italy, which was a shell of its former self, reconquered North Africa. Then his brother screwed it up, long story. But uh, Emperor Constantine, my absolute favorite, really the, the founder of what's now Istanbul, but what was Constantinople. He moved the capital from Rome to Constantinople, and it remains to this day one of the most important cities in the world, one of the greatest historical cities in the world. And at a time when London had 20,000 people in it in the Middle Ages, uh, Constantinople had 600,000. And what's so cool about Constantinople is they actually had chariot races and they had this gigantic hippodrome big, long stadium that fit 120,000 people. And there were four different teams. And each of the four teams had a different color. So you'd have like red, green, yellow, purple, whatever. And so each emperor would have to choose a team in Constantinople that they cheered for. And there were two teams that were like real factionals. You got to think like, like there was real money and power, like think soccer hooligans, but like, almost like they've got um, like their lobby groups for the government. And then you've got two teams that were really kind of benign. So the emperor always picks the benign teams. Um, and, and these, 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 uh, these teams face off in chariot races and there are riots in the streets. There are all the things that we've seen today used to happen in ancient Rome as well. And if they had, if they didn't have those, the thinking was that Constantinople would literally tear itself apart. It was the place where everybody kind of got their rage out. So you should definitely check that out. Team sports, always a fun thing and a great way for politicians to distract you from things going on in the world. So there you go, guys. That's, those are my five favorite. Uh, Constantine, the first, absolutely my favorite. Also the first guy to embrace Christianity, although I'm not as into that as everybody else is. I don't think it's as important. I think he did it as a political tool and it worked. <laughs> Adam. It did. He did. That's that is Adam's history corner. Very good. Um, do you care? Although I, I do have one. No, I, I definitely care. That was extremely interesting, but I do have a criticism. Oh, okay. I mean, we're having a conversation about great leaders and you left one out. Who's that? Breaking news. Rich Kloon named Toronto Marley's captain. 
Oh, Dickie. Great, great for Rich Clue. Like that. That's awesome. Dickie Clue. That broke during Adam's history corner. Adam, I'm sorry. Amazing. About that, but... Happy to hear that. That's great for Rich. Met, met Rich Clue. Nice guy. And uh, I'd go, I'd walk through uh, a lot of pain for, I'd, I'd do, I'd do all the things that Rich Clune asked me to do. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Big, scary guy, but also a guy you'd fight for. It's yeah. Something like that. I'd, I mean, I'd fight for, I'd fight knowing I have Rich Clune behind me. Right. Sure. <laughs> yes. I th- yes, I, exactly. I think this might've been one of our meet us at the Marley's games. I can't remember, or maybe I just went to a game with you guys, but do you remember one of the Marley's got hit from behind? I don't, oh, yeah. I don't remember who it was. And Rich Clune just went confetti gloves. You, you know, when the, when the gloves just pop right off and beat the brakes off the wrong guy. <laughs> Yes, he, he, he didn't grab the, <laughs> he didn't grab the guy who hit him. Didn't fake punch him either. No, no, he did not. Now, Adam, mm-hmm. sorry to take that break from Adam's history corner, but at some point, I think you might get a request from uh, someone else who listens to the show uh, for your knowledge and expertise on, on um, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but King Edward Seventh, I oh. think would be very interesting. We'll have a discussion about that whenever you would like. I'm just saying. Okay. Does he need another question? Yes. Give us All a right. question. So this question came to us twice. It came from uh, ErisMix19 on Twitter and also uh, Cheeseburger Randy on Twitter. Okay. They think we should have our attention on Patrick Kane for the Hart Trophy right now. Apparently, uh, Patrick Kane with his 34 points, 11 goals, and 23 assists, and his third place in the Discover Central Division Chicago Blackhawks, one point back of first place, should be considered for the Hart Trophy. What do you guys think? Man, uh, there's not a ton of arguments against it. I mean, he's not, it's not the best player in the league trophy. It's the most valuable to his team. And, you know, we talk about Kevin Lankinen and what a great story he is for the Chicago Blackhawks. And, you know, I didn't think they'd have any goalie uh, goaltending coming into the season. They obviously got one. But forgotten with how good the Blackhawks are, they don't have Jonathan Taves. Hasn't played a game this season. I cannot believe they're doing this without Jonathan Taves. So, and I mean, Debrinkat's having a great season too. It's it's never a one-man band. But, uh Yeah. He's having one of those seasons right now. I'm with you, Steve. I don't really have anything to add to that on top of it. Like you kind of covered it. It's, it's, we, we, each year we try to pick a team that, that you, you think will surprise. Like I think I said Florida, Jesse said LA, Steve said San Jose. Adam, you said Nashville. I did say Nashville this night. <laughs> Bad pick. I mean, they Bad did pick. surprise. Mm-hmm. They- <laughs> <laughs> so yes yes you. you try to you try to have in hockey you try to get a little like i'm gonna galaxy brain this one but predictions are that for that reason um i thought chicago was just going to be a dumpster this year and good for them this has been a a very surprising and very cool thing and, and that's that's what makes for great stories in hockey let's see how far they can ride this and it's not like everybody's like well you know hawks fans they always get to uh, they always get to win or whatever. Well, they've, they've run the organization pretty well. Um, as much as I've been critical of Stan Bowman and some of the moves he's made, so have Hawks fans. Um, I, think, I think this is fun. This is the, unless the Hawks are playing you and they're beating you, 
this is the kind of story in hockey that you love to see. It's fun to watch. All right. Next up from John Wenberg, 99 on Twitter. He tweeted me and said, are the Florida Panthers for real? Yeah. I mean, they've, they're the team that I refused to bet on because they've looked like the, are the, they've looked like we've been able to, have or at least ask the question are the florida panthers for real for like three years now mm-hmm. and every time the answer is k- kind of <laughs> are the florida panthers for real kind of and now it actually looks like they are but they still have the same problem again like jake allen could take montreal deep into the playoffs it still won't be good that Kerry price is sitting behind jake allen the Florida Panthers are doing incredibly well. It's still not good that Sergei Bobrovsky is sitting behind Chris Drieger. Yep. But yep. they're winning games. Who cares? The the interesting thing, Steve, I, I think too, when you look at the Florida Panthers, it is the way you felt about them this offseason is the way you're gonna feel about them next offseason, which is I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> like I it's you know, like it's it, it you're like it look look at the talent. Look at the talent, you think th- there has to be something. But we said that the last two years, and as you mentioned, hasn't been there. And the goal, you know, the big ten million dollar contract never helps. And so yeah, I mean they're they are they are for real this year. That's my asterisk though. They are for real this year. Right. Also, uh, like six, uh, sorry, seven, three, and two at home is very good. Six, one, and one on the road. I want to see if they can keep that up because that is stupid good. That's one of the best percentages uh, in the NHL, although it's not as good as seven, one, and one, which is what the Leafs have, baby. (laughs) Just noticed that now. I didn't even know they were that good. All right. Final question. Sure. Yep. This is from at Drew is on fire on Twitter. Drew asks, when you guys record the podcast, are you also sitting on exercise balls? Now, this question comes from a TikTok that Steve's wife, Mrs. Dangle, made. And in the TikTok, Steve is sitting on an exercise ball and uh, pretend recording the podcast. Mm -hmm. Now, Steve, do you actually sit on an exercise ball when you're recording? Uh, Not the podcast, no, because two hours on an exercise ball is stupid. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's not good. I'm not I'm not like Dwight from the office bouncing around and pinging. You're supposed to do that for like 15 minutes or something. But I do sit on a yoga ball for my LFRs and I have for as long as I can remember. I wow. I cannot think of the last time I shot one not sitting on a yoga ball unless it was like in a hotel on the road, maybe I'm sitting on like a computer chair or something like that. I just like the bounciness. But some people did bring up a point that I thought was very funny because it's true and it does happen sometimes. How are you able to stay mad while you're bouncing? (laughs) Good point. point. Bouncing is a happy mode. It's like kids bouncing bouncy castles. This isn't going to translate as well for those listening, but for those viewing, the Leafs suck and they're a joke and they're never going to win anything. <laughs> That's what happens sometimes. I got up every now and then. I got to re retake because I'm like, no, I'm bouncing like a child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, Adam, two, two record, hours in the way. You record while standing. For two I do. Hours. Um, so, which so is crazy. Nope. That's what I got. So oh, wow. I actually stand on my. <laughs> I, I do it barefoot and I stand on my Pittsburgh Steelers uh, blanket um, because my feet hurt after a while. 
And, uh, and yeah, so I, I just stand the whole time and I've got a stand up desk. I found that uh, when I was sitting, especially in the afternoon, when you're doing like the morning show, um, I found this was like, this used to be, we never used to record it from two to four. And so I used to be able to like nap or, or, you know, I was working or whatever, but I used to have a nap and then we'd do later in the evening. We used to record a lot during, during game time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was finding that I was getting tired during the show sitting down. So I was like, I can't keep that doing that. So if I stand up and I'm in this basement that I'm in is freezing. Um, so I, <laughs> I, there's no way I'm going to get tired now. And that's You're wearing great. a t-shirt and shorts. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't want to get too hot. But uh, yeah, I think it was, I actually think it's been great. Like I, so I, I like standing for the whole show. Uh, it just, my feet tend to hurt. So I'll either wear sandals or I'll, uh, I'll wear, I'll stand on like a big comfy blanket and I feel a lot better when I do that. That's crazy. Both of you guys do that from time to time. And that's crazy to me. I only do it when my back. What do you do? What do you do? I sit in a chair like a normal person. It swivels. So sometimes I'm rotating, but I sit in yeah. a chair. Like a normal person with nice squishy discs in their L4, L, L3, L5. You lucky jerk. Not all of us mean? have I good, that. I don't have a broken back. Is some of us have spines like a rusty bike and it doesn't work so good and you got to stand sometimes. Uh-huh. You got to yeah, stretch well, more. This I, I, I do. Feel like I, I feel like I sit enough. I, I want to stand for a little bit. So if I have to stand a couple hours twice a week, that's what some people do for a living is they stand and they move and they, you know, so I feel like this is the least I can do. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I commend you for your bravery, Adam. Thank you. you know? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You remind me of the Romans going to war. Yeah. Centurion, Adam is what I am. So it shows you why you're so warm though, Adam because i was told by uh i believe it was the floor director was that his title of um uh it was jimmy kimmel he was he was a a fan of the show uh and he was a king's yeah and he was a king's fan uh so he was in a good mood because they won in 2014 i got to go down to the jimmy kimmel show during my honeymoon because i was in california uh and he said cold is funny and he was, and he bragged, not bragged, but he was very proud of the new air conditioning system that he had installed in the building because cold is funny. You don't mm-hmm. want a hot, tired audience. You want a, you want a cold and alert one. And Jesse actually one. has to, Jesse has to tell us to turn off the air conditioning in the winter in the studio, or at least me. Um, Sometimes I use it to waft farts away, but other times it's just because I'm cold. So, you know, <laughs> it's the morning. I mean, whatever. I forget because it's been a year, but like, wasn't that the first thing I would do every time I walked in the Virgin? I would. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we had the, we had that, um, we have air returns in there and they kind of make this low humming. I mean, and when Steve would shut them off, like you could hear it on the show if we kept them on, but when Steve shut it off by the end of the hot. show, I would just be, boiling yeah awful so i kind of like that we're doing this from home now because i can at least control the air temperature and uh not worry about some air return or anything like that so i can't believe it's been a year i know Jesus. we'll get back there yeah maybe in a couple of weeks when it's like the go bear anniversary or whatever we'll talk about it in depth but i i can't believe it i know it's crazy 
crazy. It's March again. So anyway, that's it for us. We will be back on Thursday. Leafs play the Oilers a couple of times this week. Going to be lots of fun. Should be an interesting one with Hutch and Nett. Uh, love you, boys, and love you. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to sponsor next episode's crown segment, please do not forget to uh, let Jesse know. Show him your receipt, and we will get you in the line so we can shout you out and give me a little bio about you, for goodness sake, so I at least know who I'm shouting out and know a little bit about what you do on your daily basis. Okay? All right. Also, we'll see you Thursday. Oh. everyone. That's it. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.